Hello and welcome to this episode of the Sports Unite podcast. Happy New Year. We are uh, recording this on this side of 2023. Uh, so happy New Year to everyone. Welcome. And this is going to be a twofer episode where we're going to recap one of the most uh, joyous things to happen during the holiday season. Uh, that is the World Juniors. And then we are going to jump into the playoffs of the NFL. 18 weeks have come and gone like that. And now it's time to see what team reigns supreme. We have a bevy of people on the podcast tonight. In no particular order. Uh, thank you for coming, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here again. And staying up way past her bedtime, Sophie, thank you for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. And the man survived surgery and just, we couldn't keep him away. He didn't take the non-existent benefit package, Charles. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. And uh, Kenzie, finally able to see the sun after uh, a long time. Uh, how does it look? Um, there was about half of it today that poked over the horizon and then it said, see you later, about an hour later, but it was nice to see it finally. And, uh, no, uh, you know, there's Cole, he's a Patriots fan. So it's <laughs> just not our year. Happy to be here though. So before we get into uh playoffs, which everyone loves to talk about, we're going to jump back. Head on into a plane and head to Moncton and Halifax uh, for the party of the year. Uh, the World Juniors uh, were supposed to be in the country that shall not be named, uh, but for obvious reasons, they were not hosting. Uh, so Canada got it for the billionth time. And uh, Halifax and Moncton stepped up to the case. Uh, it's always a party on the East Coast. Uh, but they showed just the hospitality and what they could do uh, with a tournament like that. The fans were insane. Uh, before we get to the results, uh, although you all probably know the results, uh, what were your impressions of the tournament this year? Oh, you got to give full marks to the Maritimes. They had, what, 10 months to plan this? Maybe a little less than that? And... You know, ticket sales were great. The fan presence and the atmosphere in both cities was phenomenal. Uh, you know, its fans in Moncton were giving it to the United States the whole time. Uh, so you can see, the, the, even though there was no Canada-USA game till the semis, the rivalry was alive and well in the stands. It was beautiful. Passion in Nova Scotia was... The last time I saw something that passionate in the stands was 09 here in Ottawa. So it's been a long time. So... I thought it was from an organizational standpoint and a presentation standpoint, a top-notch tournament. Not to mention that goal song. You got to love that. If that yeah. doesn't represent Maritimes and hearing that over and over and over again when Canada scored, oof. You even started sitting it at home. It's been stuck in my head still. <laughs> it's quite right now that we're talking yeah. about it, not going to lie. <laughs> it might be on my Spotify, guilty. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we danced to that at our wedding too. Oh, I'm pretty sure it, it. Yes, I feel like someone requested it at our wedding. Um, 
not mine and yours, Justin, but you were at my wedding. I mean, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, I think that's going to show up on uh, maybe one of our Spotify's uh, wrap up. Uh, it just it gets you in the mood. You want to go to a good uh, kitchen party for those who uh, are not from the Maritimes. Look up what a kitchen party is. And uh, I'm sure you've been to one not knowing what it was. Uh, but they showed the hospitality for sure. And I highly recommend going to visit those cities uh, whenever you get a chance to go on vacation. Good food, uh, good people, great sights. Uh, and it's you'll find a party every night. Even if you knock on someone's front door, they'll let you in. And uh, it's exactly what Kitchen Party stands for. So uh, the results of the tournament, we'll start off with uh, the unfortunate part. Uh, one team does have to get relegated. It's the fascinating thing about this tournament uh, is it's the only North American tournament uh, that has uh, relegation. Uh, it's very much a European thing. If you watch uh, any soccer uh, over in Europe, it's very big there. I like it. Uh because it gives new teams a chance to move up. Uh, it's pretty much self-explanatory. You win this tournament, you move up, you finish last, you move down. Uh, so was it any of a surprise that uh, I'm pretty sure we called the <laughs> the bottom two teams? No, no surprise whatsoever, especially how the groups were laid out. Yeah, it was a surprise for me. Uh, sorry, Kenzie there, but they say the only surprise for me, uh, Austria didn't actually win a game. Latvia won both. I thought each team would win one of them. That third game would be uh, oh, yeah. really entertaining and didn't when, happen. So when was the last time it's been a while? When was the last time there was a sweep like that? Because I feel like there it usually goes to the three game, the game three. I'll look that up for you. Give me a second. Well, I mean, they even had, haven't had relegation in a couple of years. So I, that, it's probably been quite a few years. The last bunch, as far as I remember, have gone three. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Even yeah, even before the pandemic, I remember it going to three. So almost always. We're so good at riveting podcasting. It's so much visuals and I'm still looking. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you know, if maybe a host or uh, you know person who you know decides when to record would have this information handy already. Like, <laughs> if you know someone didn't have years of uh, you know studying and background and research, geez, just. The last tournament that did have relegation in 2020, it did go to three games. Yeah. Germany won the first game, Kazakhstan won the second, and then Germany won the third to stay in the tournament. And then the next three, well, the next two, three, two, three. Two. I don't know how many it's been since then, but they did half. not have relegation because of COVID. <laughs> two and a half, I guess, because of the canceled one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did it? Did yeah. you guys get a sense of normalcy? 
Like, and yeah, I know they said it on the broadcast, but like to me, just the crowd, like you got that usual crowd, it wasn't in the summer. It was, it just felt, I think oh. normals played out. It felt like it a world felt, juniors. Yeah. Yeah. One mm. thing I was the normals, it could have been. One thing the I Christmas time. Was that you could hear the fans on the outside of the building, inside the building. Okay. That's, that's one thing I heard multiple ch- times throughout the tournament that I found kind of intriguing. They were so loud outside that you could hear them inside. Oh, that is interesting. I've had um, a couple of our friends took their kids up to some of the games after, too. So I haven't been able to talk to them about their experiences, but I'd say it was amazing. I had one friend, I think, watch all of Canada's games. And I was like, she could have took me with her. <laughs> Would have been nice. <laughs> Oh, I don't Absolutely. know if you remember the last tournament in Halifax 20 years ago. Uh, I remember that tournament vividly, and it it was very much the same. The, the atmosphere, especially in Halifax, where the, where the Canada games were, the uh, there was an electricity you could feel through the TV, and just the atmosphere. It almost like you know it, it could permeate your own household. And you know I'm 1,500, 1,800 kilometers away in our nation's capital. Justin's even further. Uh, but I'm sure you can deal with through your, through your sets. So it was just an electric atmosphere. And the Maritimers, Justin, I know you spent time out there. Sophie lives out there. My mother's from there. My sister spent time there. Newfoundland's the Atlantic. It's not Maritimes. Sorry. <laughs> you all know how to party is my point. Anything, anything outside the mainland of Canada, so anything outside of Quebec, they know how to fucking party. And yes. you saw it in each and every game. Just the atmosphere. The it felt like a World Juniors again. We'll, we'll, we won't count the summer one where it was kind of thrown together and just kind of people were there. But more or less, it was like your Christmas time, the Boxing Day for people in Canada that celebrate Boxing Day, the, the start of the World Juniors, that kind of excitement for a lot of people in a lot of countries. You got that back after a few years off of the covid years and the normalcy i'd say is definitely back they needed that tournament in halifax and new brunswick showed up for them big time yeah and i just want to also point out i also feel like the atmosphere is really good out there because those are uh like junior hockey markets there's no there's no professional hockey out there they're junior hockey cities these are junior world championships right so they know this kind of hockey if you don't watch junior hockey or you don't follow it it's still hockey at the end of the day but it's actually much different than the nhl and other professional uh hockey leagues around the world um and if you don't follow it closely you don't realize the differences and at the end of the day like i said they're they're teenagers they're kids they make a lot of mistakes and it just amplifies the atmosphere as well when the other team makes a mistake and your team capitalizes on it, just you get out of your seat real fast. I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Sean. When anytime you get, especially when it's in Canada and it's outside of a traditional NHL market, the atmosphere is just different. We're kind of spoiled. I mean, Ottawa, we are, I, I would call, I would classify Ottawa as being one of the few cities that's different since we have junior hockey here as well as the NHL. So we have both. <laughs> 
there's not not too many. I don't, not every NHL city has a, a WHL or OHL or QM team. And Halifax is just a sports mecca for for the audience there. Uh, you know, like Sophie said, uh, you know, there's the Atlantic Canada and the Maritimes, and people get them confused. And some provinces. <laughs> I don't was be... just. I was just chirping. Uh, but see, there's that rival- like... That's part of the the aspect of it. There's that rivalry that, like, you know, provinces pretend to hate each other. No, we just get forgotten about because <laughs> we're so far away. Like it takes forever. She, she's not wrong to get the mainland. Like we literally <laughs> get forgotten about. <laughs> but when a tournament like this happens, they all just come together. It doesn't matter where you're from or who's who is. They show up whether it's World Juniors, whether it's uh, the CIS Men's Basketball Tournament that was held in Halifax for. 20 30 years uh because the crowds would show up um halifax uh i think do they still have a national lacrosse team yeah they yes they do oh they do yeah. so? I, I, i'm 90 percent sure i'll check that one up for you too but i'm 90 percent sure i i mean because yep yeah they do because they have a game yeah, on yeah. friday look at that they were given a, a lacrosse team and it's worked. Uh, we're in a lot of markets. Uh, they haven't. The crowds for the Halifax Wanderers uh, for their soccer team in the CPL, uh, where they play in essentially, it's a park where they made a stadium. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, they're looking to get a CFL franchise. Like, you know, uh, there's a, a CFL game in, in uh, you know, usually Nova Scotia or Moncton uh, every year. And, you know, they had one at my old university this past year. They erected stands. They sold that thing out in 40 minutes. And it was just a, a great atmosphere. They're returning this year. So if you want an excuse to go see sports uh, in July in Halifax, they're playing at St. Mary's which is the hole in the city. So, you know, good luck, but uh, they're just sports crazy. So uh, it's, I don't see a non-success unless everything falls apart, <laughs> but uh, so let's get into the tournament. Uh, things played out pretty much how we suspected they would. Uh, the four teams that advanced from each pool, no surprise there. Uh, we had Czechia uh, defeat Switzerland in one quarterfinal. We had Sweden edge out Finland. Uh, we had U.S. destroy Germany uh, 11 to 1. And Canada squeaked by Slovakia in overtime. Uh, what a goal. How were the quarterfinals? Were you guys nervous? Obviously, that build up into overtime, it kind of had that feeling well, like. It was going to go to overtime. It just one of those games. Before we even talk the the quarterfinals, I don't recall a World Juniors where it's come down to the final day and both pools, the top three seeds, were fluid. It could have changed in multiple ways on that last day, depending on the outcomes of the game. 
two of the assuming two surprising outcomes in the round robin were on the opening day when the Slovaks stunned the American 6-3 and Czechia gave Canada a, a rude awakening at, by pounding on them 5-2 and completely dominating portions of that game. The reason why Canada had a chance was Connor Bedard. Uh, and I'm sure we're going we're to mention that name at least 50 more times before we, we move on to the World Junior aspect today. Um, but that round robin was entertaining. It wasn't like a just a going through the motions and build up to the quarters. There were some there were some results there that generally surprised a lot of people. I mean, don't forget the that, Swiss upset of Finland on opening day as well in overtime. There you go, exactly. I mean, you you had scenarios where the Slovaks still had an outside shot at first place on on the on the end of the uh, at the end of the day, sort of, the, and the Americans wound up taking it, but. Um, and then Canada has, you know, they finished second. They had a shot at first place, depending on how the check you can start to finish in the reference entity itself. Yeah, the two of them, the uh, the Czech Swiss, that really wasn't much of a game. Yeah. And then the USA Germany wasn't much of a game either. But Sweden, Finland, that oh, game was really? phenomenal. That was a late that goal by phenomenal. Sweden to tie it, like 36 seconds, I think, in the third yeah. period to tie it. And then they go on and win it in overtime. That was a phenomenal game. And then Canada and Slovakia, like, I I didn't count the Slovaks out because of that goaltender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Diane, he did, he he did was, really so well. He was playing on another level. Um, yeah. Could you imagine if Slovakia had Slavkovsky with the goaltending that he gave them? They could have had a... They could have beaten Canada. Right? They could have beaten Canada they could have had an even better run than they did um but yeah the goaltending and I knew like going in like the goaltending was going to be the story especially for Canada and Thomas Millich he stepped up he starting in that quarterfinal he kept Canada in that game he pretty much outplayed Guyane for Slovakia and Guyane was the best goalie of the tournament easily correct he at in the moments, in the moments, he made the saves that kept them in it, and just went on from there. While we're on the topic of goaltending, I will say I was surprised by many goaltending performances throughout this World Juniors. I didn't have Canadian goaltending to be too good. Millet stood on his head. It's been a while since goaltenders have taken over this tournament or, you know, yeah. more than one goaltender. Yeah, it was a also goaltender fact at the end of the day, honestly, all the goalies were young goalies, like 17 or 18. So and we could see at least half like of them, if not young. more, return next year. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that for me was one thing that really stood out because going into the tournament, I was like, I don't see any big names. I don't know a lot of these guys. What's going to happen to a lot of these teams? And you had goaltenders stand on their head. I mean, Gajas made 53 saves in a losing effort. And granted, Slovakia traded punch for punch with Canada throughout the game. And more of Slovakia's shots were 
high scoring chances compared to Canada because Canada shot them badly. But because they threw the kitchen sink at Gage. Um, that's, only, that's the reason why I said that Milic outplayed it was that more of Slovakia shots were yeah. in that home plate area right in front of the net where he had to make the one on one save. And, and, and I'll give you, I'll give you that one, Sean. I'll give you that. <clears throat> but considering what Milic had in front of him versus what Gage had in front of him, I would argue that point quite down to the down to the wire. Just because Gajan, uh, once he got past the first period, Gajan was the only reason the Slovak stayed in that game. Canada was just, you could see them taking over shift by shift slowly. Slovaks would get one or two shifts here and there. But just how many 10-bell saves did he make? You know, stretch up with the pass, stretch up with the glove or the blocker. Um, that game could have been easily 10-3 Canada if it's anybody else. But to touch on Ken, what Kenji was saying about how goaltending stood on his head, Ever notice how now this year maybe Milic is an exception to the rule? You ever notice how it's usually a Slovakian or a Czech goaltender stealing the spotlight from everybody outside of maybe a, a star offensive player or two? Those, if those kids could ever be properly developed, my God, the, the, the Slovaks and Czechs would have the greatest goaltending since Dominic Hasek. Do you remember the 2015 tournament in Toronto with Dennis Godla for the Slovaks? Yeah. He had 20,000 people yeah. on the stands cheering his name, and he yeah. just lost to Canada. Yeah. yeah. Like, Gajan got a standing ovation from the crowd in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, 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 I'll give that to them. They played a great game. Like, it was a very neck and neck towards the end of the, when it got into that third period, it was a, it's going to be a tight one. Oh, I, I'm not sure if my heart could take too much overtime right, not right now. Oh, <laughs> I know. Um, I can't either. And, yeah. like, I can't. Like, my anxiety can't handle it. <laughs> also, I screamed at one point, and I think I, like, hurt Jason's eardrums because, like, those are his livelihood, like, for his work. He's like, did someone die? I was like, no, we just scored. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, overtime is over. It's, but it just kept happening. There was a lot of overtime. <laughs> But it's it's those teams where you're like you're you know I was more nervous in the Slovakia game than I was in the gold medal game. Really, it, it was just yeah. It was just I can see that. I could see that. It, in the gold medal game, it was like you know we're you know you had that feeling that once they scored the first goal, I had a feeling I was like okay they're going to score another one, but it wasn't a panic. It was. In the Slovakia game, it was, oh, dang. It was the same feeling I had when I was at the gold medal game in the summer against Finland when Finland came back. And it was like, oh, I don't know if we got this. And except for a miraculous save on the goal line by McTavish, we didn't have it. So uh, same thing in that Slovakia game. It was like, I don't like this could go. Well, also, I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on it in a second, but going into that gold medal game, we were far more confident as a nation because we had just thumped the yes. Americans. The oh, Americans yeah, that definitely helped. helped. The Americans helped were probably big time. on paper our toughest test, period, because they could match us move for move. And we made them, like, sure, they came out strong. The opening 10 minutes was all America, but then for the next 50, it was nothing but Canada. Americans yeah. couldn't do squat except firing a ton of pucks on Milich, and he just kept saying, no, screw you. 
Yeah, he just stood on his head. Exactly. <laughs> but we we were going to that game very feeling very confident because like yeah okay we just beat the Americans six two last night. We got you no know, we got momentum we got confidence we got some swagger. And Justin mentioned the Finland game last year and then sun in the summertime. That's why I didn't, I'm not sure about the rest of you guys here on the cast or the rest of you listening across the country. That's why I wasn't panicking when, when they tied it up because we had had a two nothing lead on Finland and one tied it and then we won in overtime. So when, when, when the checks tied it up on us, I'm like, no, not panicking yet. See, I was yeah, the complete I'm- opposite, actually, not going to lie, because I had those, how those two goals were scored in quick, in such quick succession it brought me back to the 2019 tournament in Vancouver when okay. the Finns beat us in the quarterfinals. Yeah. And I was like, shit, this just happened. The Czechs have all this momentum now. And in overtime, three on three, it only takes one mistake, which ultimately happened to the Czechs and Canada uh, capitalized. But I was actually more nervous playing the Czechs after those two goals. I was, I did not, I was not 100% sold that Canada would win the gold going into overtime. I honestly loved the three-on-three overtime in the finals. Like, it was just such a more refreshing, but completely different than a three-on-three NHL overtime. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. their players were very, like, cautious of, I need off, I need off, like, I need off. Like, they swapped every probably, like, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. You saw it. And like I like that felt like the longest overtime ever going into that because there was so many like back and forth like oh so close oh almost there and then the unfortunate mishap and the great setup for Canada. Personally, I've never been a fan of having a gold medal decided by a skills competition like a shootout. So right. it was nice yeah. to see it overtime where. You knew it wasn't going to end even after 20 minutes. You were going to get another 20, three on three, which is always exciting. So I, I don't know. I personally, I was stressed for both of those games. Um, just not knowing, like, you never know. You never know. I One, was just stressed for the whole week. Okay. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Canada in overtime is never fun for me. Some people say that I'm sitting on the couch, but I remember the um, 2010 Olympics. My friend said I wasn't actually on the couch. (laughs) Did you make your way like closer to the TV? Oh, I was in a seated (laughs) position, but like probably two inches from the edge of the couch. And when the goal was scored, you didn't jump off the couch. You jumped off your feet. So I hate overtime for Canada and I'm stressed the same way, man. I'm usually standing behind the couch, jumping up and down, especially if it goes to a shootout, like covering my eyes. Like I can't watch. Like I just, and then, yeah, yeah that's well, standing up at that point. Just <laughs> no matter what level world juniors, Olympics, world cup, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna have- overtime? No, thank you. I'd. I'm, I'll ask you all a question, and I'm sure I'm going to get varied responses, and I'll let you, I'll let you go for it. Heading into this tournament, obviously, we all knew Con- what the name Connor Bedard and what he what he stood for. For people out there who probably didn't know, or people who were watching the tournament who didn't know, like my wife, she kept asking, like, what is the big deal about Bedard? Then the Slovakian yeah. game happened, and he decided to have that insane overtime goal. And then she told me after, and then she's like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> you know, he's dominant. 
there's been a lot of debate just after the World Juniors, like right heading into the semis and the gold medal game, and just after is Connor Bedard. Like, first of all, this was his coming out party. Yes, was is he a generational player? I say yes. Go. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, obviously, you never really know how they'll pan out later on in their career, but absolutely, the way he dominated that Team Canada performance every single game, you saw the team rallied around him, the crowd did, the whole country did. For me, having played hockey, not at a high level, but having played, and I was a very cerebral player when I did play, was not a great skater, still am not a great skater. Um, <laughs> the thing that tips the scales for Bedard being a generational talent, it's between the years. He took the puck in the Germany game on the half wall at one play. I don't know if many of you will remember this, but he took the play and he just kind of hesitated for a minute, took a few stick handles, looked around, took two steps, fired a pass, and then a goal. Like he, he knows what he's doing out there. Guys with speed, guys with skill, but without it between the ears, that those are the guys that you say, oh, he's a generational talent, and they end up not becoming that. I don't think we have to worry about that with Connor Bedard. The processing speed that this kid has is unbelievable. Germany was double and triple teaming him, and he was still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. That that shows Germany game too. farther ahead he is skill-wise than even an 18-year-old. This kid's only 17. The only thing further ahead. The only thing that people were worried about, if you want to, you know, they everyone tries to find something wrong with someone so that they have something to talk it's about. Size. His size. I, since halfway through the tournament, nobody mentioned his height because that doesn't matter. When players are that special, him. exactly. When players are that special, size doesn't matter. Patrick Kane, Jack Hughes, do I need Thank to go Louis. on? Hey, Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to go on? Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Hockey is one of those sports that height doesn't really like. What? It's not really like a do or die thing. When you're that really good, good, when you're that explosive, when you're that smart, size doesn't matter. I was, re- I was reading a really good article today, and it was talking about how the stigma towards small forwards has pretty much gone away the last mm-hmm. 20 years with, yeah. the, with the emergence of guys like Patty Kane, Marty St. Louis, and we could go on and on about guys who stand under five foot ten who have made one hell of a difference in the NHL. But the stigma around, quote-unquote, small goalies, and we're going to touch back – I want to touch back on goalies just for a brief second here, guys. Milic is only 6'1". Now everyone's like, that's pretty tall for the world average. In the land of the NHL these days, average height of a goalie is like 6'3", 6'4", as like a bare minimum. Yeah. Like everyone's got a goalie who's – every team has a goalie who's 6'5", or 6'6", because size matters apparently now. Milic mm-hmm. was passed over, I think, in one draft year already. Mm-hmm. Two, year, two drafts. Two, this will be two his draft draft. already. Two. So he's, gonna, he's re-entering the draft, I think, again this year. <laughs> Do you think – he made. An, do you think that he and others like him made enough of a, a statement saying, fuck the size, skill trumps at any day of the week? Or is it still going to be a battle that we're facing or seeing 
we'll see another five, ten years before it starts to swing back the other way with smaller, more athletic goalies again. One thing I'd like to point out, I'm watching the game right now, UC Saros, third best goaltender in the NHL right now. I forgot he had 64 saves and a win last week. Yeah. Yeah. Just by the way, he barely stands above the crossbar. He's five foot. Yeah. But uh, Charles, I want to go back to your original question about the Bedard being a generational talent. I had this exact conversation with a coworker this morning. I kid you not. So Mm -hmm. I have a pretty good answer for this. In my opinion, he's not quite generational. He is elite, elite. Um, Would you say Jack Eichel is a generational player? No. Is Bedard going to be better than Eichel? Maybe. Let's assume, let's, right? let's assume his development goes naturally. I'll say yes. Yeah, right. Like, is is Bedard right now, as a 17-year-old, you have to think back to the 2015 with McDavid at the same age. Yeah. Were they the same? Obviously, Bedard had a better tournament than McDavid. That's, I mean, from a point standpoint, like he did. But McDavid has shown that he is a generational player. I'm still not sold that Bedard is a generational player. This is taking nothing away from him. He is a phenomenal player. He's going to go first overall. He's going to have a very long career. He's going to score a shit ton of goals in the NHL. Agreed. Um, I just don't know if he's quite at generational. And that's just that, 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 that's I'll a hard one to argue, Shaw. That's actually really good. <laughs> I would say if you want to look at McDavid's 2015 tournament versus Bedard, forget the point totals, because the team that McDavid played on was, in my opinion, was way more stacked across the Oh board. god, yeah. The top line of Reinhardt, Domi, and Duclair, they were the guys that everybody had to defend. Yeah. Like, and they then, had and so much injury. Easily. <laughs> And McDavid also had you had Nick Paul on the team. We go on and on and on about who was on that yeah. team. I'll put right now, at pretty much relevant ages, Bedard's a half step behind McDavid. But by saying that, that still puts him a step or a step and a half ahead of the, the rest of the NHL. <laughs> so let's see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'll, I'm willing to stretch just slightly the term of generational player to include Bedard if he continues on a Crosby McDavid like pace throughout his career, because he's got that kind of skill. He's shown it. He's got that skill. He's on pace for 200 plus points with Regina right now. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. What is that? That that is just beyond ridiculous. I'm not sure if there's a word to describe that. But you know, we we can argue about that forever, but is there a word that describes it? But I, I would really, God, I wish we had 10,000 years to argue this. Uh, I'll say Bedard will turn out to be a generational player, but with one little asterisk there, he's got to be developed properly. If he goes to a team that rushes him, he won't turn out. He'll turn out to be an elite superstar, a la Jack Eichel and, and Patrick Kane, others of his ilk. Mm. If he gets the right nurturing and the right development, generational. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't go wrong either way. If he's gen- like that McDavid, that Crosby level, that's like great. Like, like, but if, he, if he's not there, he's at the Eichel. 
you know, the, the Evgeny Malkin in the early in his career, right? Like that kind of cow, you still can't go wrong with the kid. No, right? Like it's just right now, I just, I hesitate to say generational. I mean, when a player is that good and causes many people to name their children after him, <laughs> we will see a boom. And I probably guarantee at the end of the year, we will have lots of uh, Connors and it probably will be in the top 10 baby names. Now, is that after Bedard or is that after McDavid? They share well, a name. <laughs> if you want your kid to be good at hockey, name them Connor. Just, just name them exactly. Connor, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't like, go wrong with Connor. <laughs> if you want your kid to be a good hand to hand fighter, name him Bruce. Bruce Lee, Bruce Wayne, take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, any comments? So we had, uh, we had the semifinals and then into the finals. So Canada faced uh, Chechia. And the U.S. faced Sweden. Um, the U.S.-Sweden game, let me tell you, the first, what, 30 minutes, 25 minutes were uh, pretty okay. average. Like, okay, cool. Don't really need to pay attention to this. And then uh, if you uh, went and did laundry and came back, you were greatly surprised. That was me. <laughs> I literally went out to make lunch. And I can't, I was not gone from, because I, um, it was on the TV, it was on the iPad in the living room. And I went back, I was like, what happened? <laughs> I was not gone for very long. Who hacked the signal what? and changed the score? <laughs> <laughs> what? Arguably the best bronze medal game I've seen in a long time. I couldn't believe the score. Like well, I was yeah. working and I kept checking the score every now and then. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We all knew it had to go to overtime. Just there was no way that a team was going to win that in regulation with that score. Oh, God, no. 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 Sloppy coverage by the Swedes in overtime led to that goal straight up. They just hung their goalie out to dry. Oh, yeah. Now, well, I'll, I'll, nobody I'll, played I'll, defense the whole game. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but to be fair, the Americans, you know, the, you know, the Americans had the size advantage, so they, they were bullying the Swedes all game long. I will throw this one out to you guys as well. There was a lot of debate heading into last year's draft about who should be first overall. Was it Sokoski? Was it Logan Cooley? Was it Shane Wright? There, there was a lot of debate, and, and there was pages upon pages of material written about this. There was a few draft, a uh, few scouting departments who were asked just after the World Juniors ended, and a couple of them, I think one was a Western Conference team and the other one was a, a Metropolitan Division scouting department. They both had said, this is why we, like, Logan Cooley, the tournament he had, this is why we had him first overall. And the question I have is this, did Logan Cooley show that he had enough skill to have gone first overall to the Montreal Canadiens last year? Or did the Habs, so far in hindsight, still stick with the right choice taking Sokoski? I mean, it would have been a better comparison had Slavkovsky been at this tournament. Right. The fact that Cooley's not in the NHL right now. He's, I I think, Wisconsin. I don't actually know what school he goes to. I will admit that. I think it's Wisconsin, though. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had uh, seven goals, 14 points in seven games. He had a phenomenal tournament. 
but so did for the Slovak defenseman who went two to the Devils, si- uh, Simon Nemec. Yeah, right? like, he's in Minnesota. Minnesota. I, I apologize, Minnesota fans. I, I apologize. Yeah, it's um, – I don't know. Like, yeah, he, he was good. I also don't know exactly. I think he got most of his points in that wild bronze medal game. I think he had like five or six points. I think he had five points like in that. that so, I mean, that's like a third of his point total, right? In one game. I mean, Bedard also did a similar thing against Germany, Germany. and Austria. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's skill wise, sure, he could have gone first overall, but there's other guys that, I don't know, it's too early to say. It's, it's one year on, it's still a little early to say. But, but I'll, I'll ask you point blank. I know it's early, but point blank, yes or no. Looking at what we've seen from Slavkovsky in the NHL this year, physically he's ready, but mentally he might be just a half step behind versus what Logan Cooley did in the juniors. Do you redraft and take Cooley first? As Personally, no. As, as Personally, no. Fan, no. And as a Habs fan, I will explain why. We have been a very small team for way too long. Logan Cooley is five foot ten. I know the skill is unbelievable. I know it's really hard to pass up on center with that much skill, but that's what we've drafted: small guys that are supposed to have a lot of skill. I'll also say Montreal does already have Nick Suzuki. Yes, right. Like not saying like they don't. Like I, I like Nick Suzuki. Right. Slavkovsky yes. is a better fit at first overall in Montreal. Yes, and that's the reason. I, 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 that's why I think Slavkovsky goes first in terms of who's the better hockey player in the end. Right now, it's, too hard to, it, it's too hard to tell for me oh. personally. Again, smaller guys develop a lot faster than these bigger guys. So it's really hard to tell. I'm in total agreement with Kenzie. I still take Slavkovsky first overall. A buddy of mine who's uh, – he works in the NH- in, in the TV broadcasting industry for TSN. Uh, he and I were chatting the other day, and he mentioned to me that once Sokoski realizes he's six foot four, 215, 220 pounds, and he's actually can bully a lot of players around, watch it. Once it clicks, it's like I'm bigger than everybody else. I don't have to be fancy. I just have to be, I just have to knock them out on their ass. Sometimes that never comes. True, but I, I think with the way Montreal's coaching is, I think I think it'll come. He just has to process the game a little faster. He, 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 you can see he's about a half step slow right now. I'll also take Slavkovsky's Olympic performance over Cooley's junior performance. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, like exactly. you guys already said – there's a reason why Cooley is still in the juniors uh, and Slavskovsky was able to, to make the jump. And yet, like you said, the Olympics, I think, really helped with that. Uh, I think regardless whether the tournament actually happened last uh, winter, Christmas time instead of the summer, I don't think that would have changed any results because the Olympics – are a heck of a lot different tournament than World Juniors. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agree. 
Well, uh, you know, and uh, as expected, Connor Bedard, MVP of the tournament, Canada wins gold in overtime. Uh, and next, we head to Sweden, to Gothenburg, where the 2024 tournament will be held, uh, which I'm kind of happy for as much as I like the tournament being here in, in Canada. It's been here for a while. And uh, I've watched a few videos of like uh, the past 10 or past 20 winners. Uh, and it's fun to see the difference in the crowd reacting to winning uh, medals and scoring and all that between the Canadian crowds and the European crowds. And sometimes the American crowds kind of blend in with the Canadian ones, depending on who's playing. But uh, it's been a while since it's been in Europe. So we look forward to that. Not, you know, we don't necessarily look forward to uh, getting up earlier. Uh, but, you know, it's the, the part of being in Christmas. So uh, it comes with the territory. Uh, yeah. Any last words from you guys? Well, Timing wise, I see the games will probably mostly uh, early to mid afternoon here. Well, uh, if you remember the OA tournament, that was. Uh, uh, no, 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 wait. It was, it was one. It was during the drive for five when Canada won overseas. There was a, there was a game. There's always in the middle of the afternoon here, so mm-hmm. it, sh- it shouldn't be too much. It shouldn't be too much of a difference. I think for us Ontario folks, um, since we're half the podcast tonight, um, I believe Sweden is seven hours ahead of us. Yeah, so we'll have a minute so, early afternoon game here. Yeah, I'll take that. That I can handle. That's even worse <laughs> for us in the West, though. So, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, currently, advantage on us. Currently, my local time in Gothenburg it's two fifteen a.m. Yeah, it's six hours behind us here in Ontario. Six hours ahead of us. Sorry, excuse me. So that means it's eight hours ahead uh, for us here in the west so i was an hour ahead actually as long as it's uh not 12 to 14 hours like the olympics because that was a little was a little brutal so one one last thing for next year's tournament there was a lot of kids on a lot of the the countries who are eligible to return next year Here, this is obviously we won't know this till it really gets to be about November, especially in Bedard's case. Bedard won't be back. I'm oh, sorry, Bedard, I know he's eligible Bedard's for two more back. years. Bedard ain't coming back. And, no. and I, I, I said the same thing. Bedard won't be back, mm. but because you know, obviously, from a financial point of view in the NHL, whoever whoever drafts him is going to want him there to put asses in seats and make money off of him. No argument, no question, no nothing. I, but however, if you look on the flip side of that coin, I think given his, you know, he's yes, he's five eight, but he'll let him mature a little bit more. I think another year in junior and letting him go to the world would be the world junior would be nothing but beneficial for him next year. I don't know. I think Austin Matthews is really going to want to pass to him in Arizona. So <laughs> that's two summers away. Oh, you two years away. <laughs> oh, he didn't go there. No, he didn't. <laughs> They already have roommate rooms booked out for him, so uh, it's not it's not hard to fill seats in a five thousand seat stadium. No, 
Well, apparently yeah. it is right now because they still can't sell out a fucking game. I, right? Like, I really want to s- go in front of the people in Arizona and be like, just say no. Your council's stupid. You, you're the ones that can stop this because you're clearly not going to the games now. Yeah. I'm telling you, they'll stay the there. Section. They'll get Bedard, and then next summer, they're going to get Matthews, and then all of a sudden, they'll have this big, fancy new arena, and there will magically yeah. be 19,000 Coyote fans. Now, here's a question. <laughs> and I hate, I hate to pose it, but I've seen it a few times come up in random articles. Does Bedard pull a Lindros? I, if, he, if Arizona Ooh. gets it, I would 100% do it. I hope he does. I honestly hope he does. Yeah. We were I don't think he's an Arizona case. Do kids these I just days don't know have in the balls to do that? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, in, the, like, in this day and age. But I, I don't know. Was though. that Lindros so or was people... that his parents? I feel like that was a lot of his parents doing as well. But at the same I time, know people have that now. Question still stands. <laughs> question people still stands. Do, but parents, his own decision, his his own non-decision. Question still stands. Does he do it? I, I don't think so. No, I don't. As much as but, it'd be cool, I just don't. You know what? We, we, we bring up the question, and then, I mean, that's probably the most volatile question that's been asked in the whole podcast in the last two months. Uh, well done, Kenzie. I, I'm going to go out of them here and say Arizona doesn't win the lottery. Arizona won't win that lottery. There's six teams right now. Six teams with the best odds. And forgive me if I missed one. In no particular order, Chicago, Arizona, Philly, Montreal, Columbus, and Anaheim. I think that's the, the bottom six in the league. Imagine if, uh, if he right. goes to Chicago. I, I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be either Philadelphia or Chicago. Yeah. Who, who win that lottery. Or even Anaheim, him and Zegras together. And Metavish. And yeah, yeah, Metavish is there too. They would finally have people to pass to. But no, I'm with uh I was listening to the Spit and Chicklets podcast last week. I'm with with Biz Nasty. Arizona yeah. winning the fucking lottery. Batman's gonna fucking rig it. Bedard's going to Arizona. Did you hear him? And then like, they're gonna oh, get Austin Matthews the next him. summer. But yeah. is he gonna rig it for Chicago? No, make no. people forget about no. what happened. He needs his baby. No, they won't be successful. Although Justin brings up a good point, you, you, you want a lot of you want some good press around Chicago, and God knows they could use it after the fucking scandal, the summer of scandals that they had. I don't think anything. I don't think anything will ever let people forget that, though. No, no. You, you, you want to try and, and try bury to cover in the something like that up with this. I don't. No, definitely like not it might. Move. No, I don't think so. But you know, no one's been talking about Chicago ever since the Hockey Canada scandal broke. Quietly moved to the background. Which is why I don't think they would rig it for Chicago because that's the. It'll bring it back up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Cole. Yeah. But I I also, they're a modern, they're a modern day original six franchise. They're not original six. People got to get that right. They're modern day, circa 1942. Original five, 1917, there was no American teams. Go look it up, folks. Um, they're a modern day original. Who hurt you? Uh, they're a modern day original six franchise. They 
they don't have any trouble drawing fans. Yes, they're going to have probably poor attendance for a couple of years while they rebuild. All it takes is one. I mean, they, they weren't even a Stanley Cup contender really in 09. They went to the West Finals and they were packing the house. And then, yes, they won the next year, but they had, didn't have attendance problems for the next decade. So they'll be fine. They don't, Batman doesn't need, Batman doesn't need to quote unquote rig it for issues there. If he's going to rig it, it'll be for Anaheim. Uh, not Anaheim, Arizona, excuse me. Uh, definitely because they, they want a shiny new building with a shiny new superstar. Yeah. I still say, though, if I'm, if I'm Connor Bedard, if Arizona drafts me, screw you, trade me elsewhere. I ain't playing for you. Yeah, but then they get Austin Matthews in a year or two. I'd want to go to Arizona if I were him. If Austin Matthews... Are you guys, conv- are you guys are convinced Austin Matthews is going to Arizona? I'm oh, not. yeah, I am. Have you, oh, yeah. have you heard the rumors from He's Toronto? leaving Toronto. Well, He's yeah, it's like a million. But he wants too much money. It's the rumors out of Toronto are like he wants eight years max contract, and Toronto's going, Whoa, pump the brakes. Yeah. Well, first of all, if, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I still, you've got Tavares, keep Matthews, ditch Nylander. That, that's an overrated pay, uh, paycheck if I ever saw one. I still don't uh, know I, why. I still I, don't I, get I, not this year, Nylander. man. I don't, th- I don't this think so. Play up this year. Okay. This year's has been showing up. Tavares? I can't no. believe we're all defending the Leafs right now. <laughs> I know, and none of us are Leafs fans. <laughs> okay. Hold on a second here. This year alone, out of his contract, yes, Nylander appears to be playing at the level where, you know that would be equate to a contract of that nature. Not a single fucking year beforehand has he, and he, and he waited until deadline day to sign that contract a couple of years back in December. When it, when it was like, okay, if you don't sign by 5 p.m., you ain't playing this year. So instantly, that tells me an attitude problem. But at the end of the day, he got that money. He they signed him. He, he got he, what he, got he wanted. Money. But also, uh, where has he been come playoff time? Has he been the Leafs' leading scorer in the playoff series? Has he been the, the guy to drive the engine to earn that money? Nobody has in the playoffs. I was going to say, I was like, has anybody on the team <laughs> do that? <laughs> now, now I'm going to say this, Mackenzie. I know we're both Habs fans. You might shoot me for this. If it wasn't for Carey Price in, in 2021, Marner and Matthews would have eaten us alive. 100%. Carey Price was oh, the yeah. only reason that those two went were, were, were as low down the score sheets as they were because he, he was robbing them left, right, and center. He was ridiculous. He only to beat him with Spezza. <laughs> True. So, True. Yeah, so let's just, let's just, let's just set this back straight. Nylander wasn't exactly the big cog of the engine there that year either. No. William Nylander will be traded if they're going to keep Matthews. Mark my words. Matthews won't well, go to Arizona. To happen, yeah. They, yeah. they have to clear money. Yeah. yeah. But I they still don't to. understand the Nylander hype. I never have, but. I never have either. Hockey player, yes. player. He's a good hockey player, yes. Yeah, but not for the money. What he was asking for. No. When they gave him that contract, I was like, okay. And I was. I mean, I'll be honest, guys. I don't think McDavid and McKinnon are worth their money. Just personally, right? Like, they're phenomenal players, but I don't think McDavid and McKinnon... I don't think anybody should be making over $12, $13 million. And Matthews wants 15 So... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. We we, we could talk about athletes and what they deserve and what they don't deserve all day long. (laughs) Austin Matthews, if he leaves Toronto, yes, everyone's going to say, oh, the homecomings, the first Arizona-born player to play in the NHL, blah, blah, blah. He ain't going home. You heard it here first. He ain't going home. 
every player who wants to, anyone who actually joins the league wants one thing, championships. And Arizona is 10 years away from a championship contender, let alone anything. So I don't you'll know, go if they get Bedard and Matthews, that speeds that up a little bit. I'm just saying. Yeah. A lot of money can go a long way. They cash. can pay him. That's the thing. That's the team that can pay him what he wants. They went. He went to Toronto. They're stacked. They still ain't winning shit. Chicago's well going to go home, Chicago's get some have money. Too. Remember, yeah, Kate, they're not going to have any players. Jason Kane. Coming off the books they're this year. They're going to get rid of them. Those contracts are up this year. This summer, they're free agents. Exactly. Why would they're Matthews gonna, go to a team with nobody? No, but still, but you can, but there, but there's the thing. You build around him. They already have great a, a prospect pipeline. They're not continually. They don't need to draft ten thousand players. They they already have half them in the prospect list. So it's something you can build around, and they're going to have the money to throw at them. And they're 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 I further say, ahead of Arizona. Is. I agree with Sean. He's going to Arizona. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> let, let him right. go home. You guys can say it, Charles. You were right. You know what? If I have to say that you were right, Charles, I will be the first one to say that. First Absolutely. thing on a podcast episode, I'll be like, Charles, you were right. I was wrong. And I'll stand up and admit if I was wrong too, but I, I really don't think I'm going to be wrong on this one. Whew. I got heated. <laughs> oh, we love did, it. Did I do something? <laughs> well, Kenzie, you, everyone loves it. When we get this heated, we love it. We don't care how, how heated it gets. It's fun. This this is the stuff I'm looking for. The debate. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. I need some good old debate. Um, no, and my take on my take on it is I, I posed the question just because I'd seen it so many times. My take on it is he goes to the team that drafts him for the singular reason of a lot of these kids, especially Canadian kids, if it's not for their parents' influence, they just want to play in the NHL. Right. I know when I was a kid playing minor hockey, again, two left feet, green was amazing, but two left feet couldn't get me anywhere. Um, I wanted to be in the NHL. That was my goal until I realized at about 14 years old, you can't skate, so start using your brain. <laughs> um, I, I think it'll just be an honor for him to join any team, especially, and this is where I disagree with some people, especially a team like Arizona. He would be the favorite franchise forever. A player of that caliber? Who, who else has been there that's been in the face of that franchise? Shane Doan. Yeah. Who do you have since then? Nobody. A potential, as we talked about earlier, generational talent coming to that team with the prospect pipeline. Dylan Gunther is also there, golden goal. Um, you know, they could be a really good team really fast if the development goes right, if the players go right. I, I think Bedard would be crazy to say, I don't want to go there. I mean, your line mate was Dylan Gunther for a little bit. He was in the summer. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like if there's connections already there. And when you bring in in a name like Bedard, you also bring in those free agents because you have a name. People are signing in Edmonton because they want to play with McDavid. 
I don't want to play in Edmonton, but I want to play with him. Mm. That's that's Good why point, I, he, he can shun the team. It's it's just a question I asked because I'd seen it quite a bit, quite a bit more than other rumors. The one thing we can all agree on is if Arizona wins the lottery, we know it was rigged by by the, by the league itself. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. That we can agree on. There's, there's no spice there. There's no heat there. No. Because we all know how badly they want to make hockey work in Arizona, even though it hasn't worked for 20 years. Well, Batman does have the thing where it's like, they're in Arizona for the next 30 years. You can't move them. Whoever buys them, no. Like, no, it, it needs to move. but it's the, they no, won't. it's the no move clause and no other team has that. So that's the sword he's willing to die on is the Coyotes. So he's going to rig any draft. It's this one. Guess we'll see that we'll, we'll see come uh, April. That could be a spicy podcast episode. Oh. <laughs> we might just have to do. We might just have to do it live. Well. Switching topics and switching jerseys, not that any of you listeners can see, because, again, riveting podcasting when you talk visuals. But this coming Saturday marks the beginning of another NFL playoff season. It's been 18 long weeks. Uh, We had a scare a few weeks ago, uh, and we're thankful that – Demar Hamlin has uh, returned back to Buffalo, and um, you know, and nothing... he's out of the hospital. He's at home. At yeah. home, yeah. Uh, watched the Week 18 game. Uh, Buffalo scored not one but two uh, kickoff return touchdowns. Uh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, that's it, it. Was so perfect that people were were asking the question like. Did, did they tell them not to tackle him or which is a lot harder? You know, there's a reason why in movies, they like football movies, they cut very suddenly when a player is like going for a big run because it's very hard to make something perfect. So no, it's not scripted. Uh, that is just good special teams. And uh, we're on to the playoffs. Uh before Three we get teams. too hard, though, guys, we got to give us a, a, a celebratory sack shout-out to the end of the career of J.J. Watt. Yeah. Yes. Twelve years. He revolutionized the defensive end of the game for the, for the player's aspect of things. Uh, an all-time leader in uh, – in just being a great sportsman, uh, you don't—they don't make them like they do uh, up in Wisconsin there, with him and his brothers. Huh. As a Steelers fan, being treated to watch his two brothers play. Oh, if only we could have had all three. Just saying that. If only we could have had all three walks. Uh, you really have one, and then one's a tailback. Yeah, but he's still you know, Derek is still a good True. player. He, he, he's he's not a, he's not a uh, an off like a physical force like his two brothers are. 
different position. But he but. was a charger. <laughs> You're not letting that one go, are you, Kenzie? Nope. <laughs> hey, we had him. All of y'all had the other two. We got terrorized by the other two. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, congratulations to J.J. Watt on a fantastic career. Uh, I don't think before him or after him, there was a defensive player who also made a difference on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, he finished with six touchdowns. How many did Teddy Bruschi finish with? Oh. He made some clutch plays for the Patriots in the playoffs. Wow, he that's did. a new one I've heard in a while. I don't think he caught any touchdown passes, though. Maybe one or two. Come on, Cole. You're the Patriot fan. You got to know these things, man. I throw these out there. <laughs> I know. God, I got to Google. God, I don't know off the top of my head. Fuck, I haven't heard that name in a while. Well done, Sean. That literally just popped in my mind right now. So, <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. He has four touchdowns. Four? Ooh, I didn't think he had that Okay, many. so J.J. Watt was better than Bruski. So, okay. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Five touch. What? One column has four. <laughs> Maybe he scored one in the playoffs, and yeah, I remember the five touchdowns. Points. So, still, JJ had more than that. Yes, yes. JJ had six touchdowns, one hundred and fourteen point five sacks. I always hate those point five sacks. Just yeah, you just you sack the guy. Who cares if you had help? Just. You get a honestly. So he finishes outside the top 20 sack leaders of all time, but many people know the name JJ Watt and how many how many people did he change? He literally changed the way people think about defense, defensive linemen. Um, you don't have an Aaron Donald without a JJ Watt. Uh, but it's also to how he was just a nice like the the mean people of the 70s and 80s of the purple people eaters and the Steelers, the steel curtain uh you know the the cowboys in the 90s just it was you got to be mean you got to be rough he was a sportsman he would play catch before every game with fans didn't matter what jersey you were on so yeah, he might have be cutting his, uh, you know, maybe he could have played a couple more, but he, he was injured quite a bit. And uh, we all know he's going to leave a lasting legacy uh, in in uh, in the NFL, in Texas, in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, his kids are playing hockey, so who knows? 15 years down the road, we might be seeing – some Olympians or uh, I guess he just had his first kid, but yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> well, he, he plays hockey like he in hard knocks. If you guys are watching hard knocks, one of his yeah. teammates asked him about hockey. Oh my God. It was hilarious. Which would be terrifying by the way, because he's enormous. <laughs> it wouldn't be fair if he was in the NHL. I'm just saying. You think he was a beast in the NFL? Can you imagine yeah. him in an NHL? No, thank you. Yeah, no. generally, someone that big, it's you don't learn to skate, but JJ can skate. So, yeah. 
on skates, he would stand about six nine, six ten. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> we need to get him in a six, charity nine, six, game ten, at least. That's not a that's not a hockey player. That's the Undertaker coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, also I mean the, the work JJ did uh, after Hurricane Harvey as well, raising money for their relief in the in the in the Dallas Texas that Dallas Houston area. Uh, over a hundred million dollars, I think, is something he raised some, some number, some insane number like that. So his foundations, uh, his charitable work, um, all around good guy and. I know we've debated about certain guys who retired across sports. Are they first ballot Hall of Famers? JJ should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. First Mark ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say the only way now it's it's kind of tough for his brothers because they got it. Now, TJ's doing all right for himself in Pittsburgh. Uh, but now they kind of have to live up to that name and kind of come out of the shadows of their brother. Because even though he's gone and not playing, there's it's it's still there. I feel like TJ kind of has already had like yeah. he has a name for himself already with the, like his sack totals and how much of a presence he is in Pittsburgh. Charles, um, correct me if I'm Charles, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, if TJ Watts in the shadows, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> DJ Watt has established his own identity so strongly Yo. in Pittsburgh. He has. I Yo. mean, it, it is, like, he, he counts the shadow as long as his brothers. I actually feel sorry for Derek the most because he has the, the two very tall shadows that, that he has to measure up to. And for him, it would be almost impossible. But TJ is just like, I mean, yeah, we'll say just like his brother because they're having to double and triple team him on the line which is allowing everybody else to get to the quarterback. So TJ numbers you still can't stop double or triple teamed. That's the other problem. And, and he still beats those double and triple teams sometimes. Like yes. he's, he's, faster than, he's faster than JJ. JJ was faster. Mm-hmm. TJ's faster. Um, I'll say JJ might be a little meaner in the way he played, but no, TJ has his own shadow to cast. He, he He's fully out of his brother's shadow. Uh, he established that a couple of years ago when, when you know, I think the first time um, Pittsburgh met up with Houston, I think, it was, I think it was JJ's last year in Houston or first year in Zona, and they met up, and TJ's name was all over the stat sheet, and JJ's wasn't. And it, it, it sort of was one of those things. It, it, that was his coming out party pretty much. It's just like, yeah, I may have the same last name as my brother, but I am, I am just my own beast. So, no, no worries there for TJ. Derek's the one who I would actually feel sorry for because he's going to be the forgotten brother. And that's because he decided to be a fullback. <laughs> yeah, <it's funny. laughs> Wayne Gretzky yeah. here too. <laughs> so, super wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. Three of our teams made it, two did not, and Sophie is looking for a team, so, uh, you know, maybe this could be it, Um, but we have seven teams uh, on each conference, Uh, first place team gets a bye, probably don't need that, 
Um, we'll start with uh, the NFC, just because it's the first game that kicks it off. Uh, but the Eagles took care of business and secured that first round bye. So San Francisco, my beloved team, uh, begins against the Seahawks on Saturday, uh, two versus seven. Do we do we have any support for the Seahawks or no? As no. good as Geno Smith's uh, year has been, like breaking the record for the Seahawks, I they're going to get steamrolled by the 49ers. The, the 49ers, sorry, there's, sorry, go ahead. There's talk. one way Seattle can, I'm not saying they're going to win this game, okay? Like, I think San Francisco is going to steamroll Seattle, but if Seattle can get to Purdy, and because he's a rookie, that is playoffs true. are a different animal in every sport, right? Mm-hmm. But San Francisco has the much better defense. Oh, God, which yeah. They're probably going to sack Geno five to eight times. Five. Yeah, you're saying five. I'm saying like it's going to be a handful of times. Uh, if if Seattle can make a stop early, score, make Purdy throw the ball, because Seattle's got good uh, DBs. Their rookie DB, I think he's a rookie. He led the league, tied for the league lead in interceptions. Seattle has a decent uh, defensive backs. Um, Pete Carroll's going to say a few words to get them a little bit motivated. I still think San Francisco is going to win, but if Seattle has their game, and we've seen it in past years where the seven and six wildcard teams shock and go on runs, I believe the Giants did it to your Patriots, Cole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, I had to. <laughs> Not once, but twice. Um, uh, right? Like, I'm, 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 I agree with, with Charles and with Justin. Like, San Francisco is probably going to steamroll them. But, like, Seattle does have a chance. Yeah, you're right, Sean, on that. Like, it is a whole different animal in the playoffs. And Brock Purdy is a rookie, although he stepped up to the task in the regular season. We'll have to see what yeah, playoffs have in store. Besides Justin, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> For Brock Purdy, it's going to come down to can the O line properly protect him? If they, if they give him the same kind of protection he's had for the last five or six weeks, this is going to be a two score, maybe three score game. This will not be close. So that's what's going to come down to is can Seattle's D line make Brock Purdy scramble? If they can't, Mail, write a post, get a postcard, send to a friend, call your mama. Niners, Niners will advance if Brock Purdy doesn't get harassed routinely. He, he will probably get harassed once or twice. You, and you can't really go through a game where you don't get harassed sometime. But if it's not routine, if it's not, you know, every couple of plays where someone gets through and makes his life a little miserable, Brock Purdy's going to eat them alive. And I also think San Francisco has the X factor in the backfield in McCaffrey. Like, oh, yeah. I, I yeah, so that's why I say I, I, San Francisco is going to win. But I also have a coworkers of Seahawks fan, so I have to give them a little bit of love. But San Francisco's taking it. Yeah, I I agree with that. They're just more skilled. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys basically said it all. I mean, I didn't want to just talk and be like a homer so i'm so glad you guys said everything i was going to say 
Because it looks better if you guys say it, so. Justin, we know you're secretly rooting for the Seahawks. It's okay. You can no. you can tell us. Can't you stress, man? Time to come out of the closet. That's you why know, the camera's it's... off. He doesn't want to show his ear. Oh, I I switched jerseys already, so. <laughs> we're Mid-podcast. talking about we're talking about football now, so. Um. So yeah, San Francisco. That it's an easy pick for me. Uh, next game in the NFC Sunday uh, after late afternoon, Giants against the Vikings. Is there any chance for Daniel Jones to pull a little New York magic? Um, I I I think since I you know I didn't have to talk last time, I'll let you guys have a break. Uh, I think this is this is the upset game. I think the Giants, the the Vikings have been too spotty. They, you know, everyone was focused on Necklace Cousins and Duggan Cousins, and you know, Delvin Cook and Jefferson are amazing. But I think the Vikings showed flaws. And the Giants chipped away. Uh, if you were going to pick an upset, uh, I think, yeah, I think the Vikings lose this one. This is I my, think it is to be this. This is my upset one. because Kirk Cousins. He has uh, Kirk Cousins. That's all you need. Well, Kirk Cousins in prime time. I don't know. Kirk Chains has showed up this year. I'm going yeah. Kirk Chains. Again, I think the, the Giants have chipped away at it. But... Playoffs is a different animal. It's prime exactly. time. 2.0. So I think, the Gi- I think the Giants can take it. Hold on a second, guys. Correct if I'm wrong, but Minnesota is the only playoff team with a negative point differential. They were great at winning close games, but they got blown out routinely. When they lost, they got their asses spanked. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, early in the season, the Giants got lucky and Daniel Jones was winning the game by his arm. How was he winning games later in the season? Wasn't just his arm. He was running his legs. They were making him more of a mobile quarterback and using his athleticism to their advantage. Kirk Cousins ain't that fucking mobile, boys. He, he's a pocket quarterback. So guess what? If the Giants can get to him, they're, they're, they're going to force an upset. Minnesota can win this game if if they limit Daniel Jones. If they make him more play in the pocket, they don't give him those running options and force Daniel Jones to play more in the pocket. I give the edge to Minnesota. Daniel Jones starts scrambling and starts moving. Sorry. Giants take this game. I would like to say, Charles, to talk to you specifically right now, I picked Minnesota in our preview show, and you called me out for it. You said I was crazy. I said Minnesota was gonna be the North, beat the win the North. Okay, I, and, I got that one. And I said they're gonna beat Green Bay by one or two games, and ended up being more than that. But I called yeah, that right. in the preview show. Minnesota is the worst division winner this year, <laughs> as yeah. you mentioned. They got blown out in all of their losses. Um, I know technically Tampa Bay has a worse okay, record than Minnesota. The worst one really. But like, like I was really worried that Tampa and uh 
uh, for a second there, if Tampa was going to play Minnesota, I know you, you can't division winners, but like that would have been a snooze fest and just horrible I, for the I, ratings. Just I agree. But uh, going to this game, I am going to go against you again. I'm picking Minnesota for this one. Preach it, Sean. Game is in Minnesota, obviously, being the home team. Like the division winner, they get the home game. Um, I think they win one game. They win the wild card. And then they lose to whoever they play next week. Um, I think Cousins just does just enough to win this game. It might be a last-second field goal. We saw a lot of those last year. It might be a last-second field goal, but I think Minnesota wins this game. And like I said, if they, if if Minnesota keeps Jones in the pocket, I think Minnesota takes the game. I'm not picking Minnesota to lose. I'm just saying if they can't if they, if they they can't contain Daniel Jones, they're going to be in a real tough spot, and then I think Minnesota loses if Jones gets running. Because Minnesota's defense to me is very suspect, especially that midfield defense if they're playing zone. Just something there leaves big plays open way too easily. If they make one play here or there that helps them, but no, I know what you're saying. Like their defense, they minus three points, I think is what their point differential is. Like they gave up more points than they scored. And they're exactly 13 and four, right? Like, yeah, 13 and four. Yeah. Like, how does that work? You win 13 games, but you give up more points than you score. I mean, didn't they get blown up by, like, almost 40 points to the Cowboys? Yeah, it was, like, 48 or something like that. And, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Cowboys, and then 41-7. Is. The, the Cowboys aren't that good of a football team to blow up Minnesota by 40. So, like I said, they keep Daniel Jones contained. I think Minnesota moves on. And I agree with you that they'll lose in round two, divisional round. I wholeheartedly agree with you. If they let Daniel Jones escape, they're in trouble. Big trouble. They have to get a receiver by the name name of Adam Thielen going. Because we all know Justin Jefferson is going to get double teamed and covered. He'll still catch the ball because he catches the ball. Absolutely, he will. Every, every time. time somehow. <laughs> but, too soon, man. That Bills game, Minnesota versus the Bills, that catch he had on like fourth that and 18, that's brutal. too soon. Too soon. But you need your other – Adam Thielen has disappeared this year. And if they're going to make any noise in the playoffs, he has to – he was their number one receiver at one point, and he's, now he's disappeared. So, he's don't forget about TJ Hawkinson, the big tight end they got from Detroit. Yeah. He could pick up In the middle of the field, he can make some plays and help them win this game. Also, I do want to point out how close I was to calling the Lions getting the seventh – no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were an OT game. You were an OT game away from that one, but let me tell you, I would, uh, I would be a little slightly more scared to play the Lions than the Seahawks, but I'd be Agreed. damn proud to play the Lions. I would have loved to see the Lions because uh, they they would have been fun in the playoffs, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, Motor City Dan Campbell. He wasn't wrong when he said, we'll bite your ankles off. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever he said, kneecaps, ankles, I don't know. Something to that effect. So we head to Monday night because Super Wildcard Weekend means they spread this out over three days. 
We have a Monday night playoff game, which I, I forgot that they did that uh, until this year again. And uh, what I think was going to happen if the Packers would have won, I think San Francisco would have been playing on the Monday night against Green Bay. But we get Probably. the America's team, hooray, uh, versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. We have which... to talk about this one. I mean, we we don't. The the worst, not a very good division winner, Tampa Bay, hosting uh, a very rough uh, conference in Dallas, who had an off outside, very off outside chance to get the first overall pick. If Philadelphia lost and San Francisco lost, they actually would have taken over the first round pick and we would have never heard the end of it. Do we number one seed? Not a what number oh, one yeah, pick. Sorry. Just want to yeah, clarify that for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we care who wins this? Uh, no. Actually, no, I, I, you you have to care a little bit just because if you look, if you look at the Cowboys' schedule from all eighteen weeks, every time they lost, they went on a two, three, four game win streak. No, I saw that. Yeah, did you see that? Oh. They posted it. No, nope, yeah, I, I sent it in our group, guys. You got to pay attention to this, oh. Kenzie. Yes, but here's the <laughs> I, I was doing some research for today's do for, for today's podcast, just to make sure I was up to date on a few things. Uh, the Cowboys, God help me for saying this. I'm uh, this might be from some everlasting shame. If they get a little bit of momentum, they're going to be very hard to stop because it seems that they, you know, finally they've got themselves clicking on almost every cylinder possible. That being said, almost a, that that being said, though, this is the fucking Dallas Cowboys, and they find a way to blow it. They they don't they'll make one mistake. They'll, something will happen. Um, they'll have a bad defensive coverage and give up a touchdown when they shouldn't, or they'll have a touchdown overturned, and it turns into an avalanche of mistakes. They're playing Tom Brady, who, even though I hate to admit it, is the goat. When it comes to, when it comes to especially quarterbacks, Brady is the best of all time. You give him any life, he will fucking make you miserable. God knows he did it to my Steelers often enough in the playoffs. There's a couple of times we should have had them in the divisional round or the AFC Championship game. We had them, we let them off the mat, and they fucking bit us in the ass. So, believe me, my my safe from experience as a Steelers fan watching these games. If they let Brady, if they have a chance to knock Brady out, figuratively speaking, not literally, if they have a chance to knock out the Bucks, they better take that swing and connect with it. If they don't, it will come back to bite the Cowboys and they will blow what should have been an easy win. And we'll be sitting here just after Valentine's Day saying what once again how the Cowboys had a should have had a Super Bowl or damn near close to Super Bowl run and blew it. You know what, Charles? I am going to agree with you. I am going with the Cowboys, too, to win this. They have just been clicking. They have the backup running. Mm-hmm. They have the extra running backs now. They have the wide receivers that are clicking. C.D. Lamb is unreal this season. Yeah. Uh, their defense, part all the players are finally clicking now. But, like, you, you said it first. They are, they are playing Tom Brady. Yeah, the Bucks have... I don't know what the Bucks have been this year, but they I, somehow they squeaked in that first 
place uh, division, but that's their only hope. If like if they shut down Tom Brady early on, they're yeah. The Dallas has been playing really well this year. Out of all the years, this is the year they'll. I think they'll get that playoff win. So, um, I mean, like you guys said, Dallas has been clicking. Um, Micah Parsons will probably be the, the difference on the defense getting to Brady. If he gets to Brady, Dallas walks away with this game. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, I am a Bills fan. I've been tortured by Brady for 20-plus years. More than you, Charles. Yours were the playoff losses, but my, we never beat them, period. So we didn't have a chance at the playoffs because of him. <laughs> so, never beating him in the regular season or losing in the AFC Championship game. It hurts more. We all these made the playoffs, okay. You both are very welcome for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I, I, I never count Brady yet. Yeah, Until the clock says zero and he's on the losing end. I'll never count them out. I, I mean, I, Dallas, they're the better team in almost every facet except quarterback. Mm-hmm. Dak is Dak. We're just Mike Evans that. has been having a hell of a year, too. He's yeah. quietly getting into the top 10 uh, yards uh, for a receiver. <laughs> anybody talking. So, uh, But I... I think the home field advantage, though, the game being in Tampa, I think it will have some impact on Dak, and Dak's going to fucking blow it, and Tampa's going to win. Especially so, the as much as Dallas is the better team, Brady's going to win. Like Tampa's going to win this game probably 27-23. Yeah. That's, so, that's my prediction. I, I picked Tampa for one reason that you guys haven't mentioned, and it is part of the Dallas whole choke story. Their coach is Mike McCarthy. True. Lost to the Arizona Cardinals in the wild card game. Lost to the Giants in a divisional game. Lost to the 49ers in a divisional game. Lost to the 49ers in a wild card game. Lost in an NFC championship. Lost a divisional game. Lost a championship game. Lost wild card game last year. Won a Super Bowl on a random flash in the pan. That's his playoff record. Ugly. Yeah, it, it is Mike McCarthy, remember. So all of the skill in Green Bay couldn't make it past a wild card. 15-1 couldn't make it past a divisional game. Yikes. That's a fair point, though, your part, Kenzie. That's a fair point. Very fair point. Because Dak is not Rodgers, where Rodgers could bail his team out, right? The reason why McCarthy went to the Super Bowl into the championships was because he had Rodgers. Yes. Dak ain't Rodgers. No. And Dak is going to find a way to blow this game. Whether that's running the ball 30 yards on fourth down and not having enough time to spike the ball to kick the field goal to tie it or whatever he did last year against San Francisco. And after last year and the loss again by Mike McCarthy, the talk was you're out. You want Sean Payton. (laughs) Not good for the dude's confidence. Exactly. Nope. Can't win a playoff game. And you want to fire me because I can't win a playoff game. Now I'm under way more pressure to win this game. 
and he can't do it. And one other factor, I mentioned it. I don't know. Don't know if it got through, but I mentioned it just for two seconds. And again, it goes right to everyone else's point. This is an outdoor game. Tampa does not have an indoor stadium. If that weather ain't perfect, if it's windy, if it's rainy, if it's something right with the weather, Tom Brady's got the edge. He played in for winter in New England for many years, decades. He can handle bad weather. Dak, half his games are indoors. And he played probably three or four of his road games are indoors as well. He doesn't get too many outdoor games. If the weather is a little off, I don't like the Cowboys' chances. Sounds like we're all in agreement then. They should win this game on paper. Like I said, and Sean, your point, Dave and Cole, Kenzie, everybody, we've said that the Cowboys on paper are the better team at pretty much every statistical category at every position except quarterback. There's, there's, this game shouldn't be close. This should be like a 41-10 kind of game based on how the two teams played this year. And a division that Tampa came out of how weak everybody was and that their record was good enough to win the division. But uh, I don't know. Something about Dallas. Always, and again, Kenzie said, Mike McCarthy has a history of underachieving come playoff time when teams when his teams do very well in the regular season. Dallas was no slouch this year. They beat some very good football teams throughout the season. So if you're finding yourself with nothing to do Monday, I guess you could throw this on for background noise is what, <laughs> is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the first matchup uh, for the AFC, the two-seeded Buffalo Bills versus Miami Dolphins, who who's their quarterback? I forget the uh, guy's Skyler name. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Skyler, rookie Skyler Thompson. Third one. If Teddy Bridgewater's finger isn't ready. At one point, they were saying that Miami had arrived and they were better than Buffalo to stumbling into the playoffs. And everyone was very concerned that they were going to rush Tua to play. Um, and it's smart that he's not playing. Um, so uh, with that in mind, do we think that they uh, are going to stand a chance up in Buffalo or is this a thanks for coming tip your waiters. I, I think I said this earlier today to you guys. If DeMar Hamlin, who we mentioned has been released from hospital, he's at home. If he shows up to the stadium for this game, it's not even going to be close. I you know he will. They'll have him right. homecoming stadium introduced to the game. Yeah, if he like, can, it, of course, if it's safe. But, yeah, like, I don't know, absolutely, like, of course. Health wise, like if he shows up, it's gonna be it won't even be close. The emotions you saw it last week on the opening kickoff. How often do you see an opening kickoff return for a touchdown? Not much anymore. Not something because no, right? like everyone's fresh. Like that's the first play of the game. Everyone's fresh, and he just outran everybody. I'm not saying he's do that again. He probably won't do that again. 
But uh, but they did it again later that game. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Fast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, um, the bills, they are, they were close, like a tight knit team to begin the season. Yeah. After that scary incident that most of North America saw, they became even tighter and they're now like, they're playing for him. Um, I also don't know if anybody saw, but the bills have activated not to play, but off IR. Micah Hyde. Oh. So there's a chance, maybe not this game, because he's been out the whole season with a neck injury, but I think they're going to get by the Dolphins. He could be back for the next round. And that defense, without Vaughn Miller, yes, but getting the real captain back on the – not that Jordan Poyer or Tremaine Edmonds aren't true captains, but Micah Hyde is the voice on that defense. Heart and soul. Yeah, yep. right. Like getting him and then having uh, Hamlin like around the team if he can be. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, I'm not going to say Allen's going to do what he did last year in the playoffs again, because that's going to be really hard to ever replicate what he did against the Patriots and what he did against the Chiefs. Sorry, Cole. I had to again. Um, <laughs> okay. It was a bad, bad game. When, when can you ever take shots at a Patriots fan? It doesn't happen very often. So I gotta get them in. Take your bigs um, now, folks. But uh, yeah, and then the weather—like it's supposed to be cold. I saw a stat: the Dolphins have lost their last nine games when the temperatures below forty degrees Fahrenheit, and the closest was actually the last game in Buffalo, and they lost by three. Um, I think the weather is going to pl- come into play. It's windy in Buffalo this time of year. It's almost impossible to kick a good field goal. And the Dolphins have a rookie quarterback make his playoff debut. Third stringer. I mean, if he can get the ball to Waddle and Hill, they have a chance, I guess, because those guys are fucking fast and will outrun everybody. Um, but, yeah, no, I think the Bills, they put up 30 points and the defense probably only allows 20. Yeah. If I, Tua I was would... playing, it'd be a different story. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a, little, a lot closer ball game. But even like if Teddy Bridgewater could possibly play, it might be somewhat close, but there's no way uh, Skyler Thompson, I saw him play when he played against the Patriots. Like they walked all over him, their defense. And the Bills at home it's it's going to be Bills all the way. Yeah. Well, even like last week, right? The Dolphins got into the playoffs winning nine to six against the Jets yeah. <laughs> on a last second field goal. I mean, there was oh. 11 seconds. It wasn't exactly last second, but. And it was 11 six because they got, they got a last second. They literally had a last second safety. Yeah. yeah sorry. That's right. I, I forgot about that safety. That is correct. Yes. Right. So against the Jets, I think the Bills are a little bit better than the Jets. A little bit, I think. Yeah. And then right, right to everybody else's point, it's supposed to be cold and windy in Buffalo. And they have a quarterback whose arm can negate that wind. Like, again, I was spoiled for 18 years with Big Ben Roethlisberger. And, and I've said it before. I think I said it at the, at the preview show. I've said it last year. I have said it multiple times. Josh Allen is the reincarnation of a young Ben Roethlisberger. 
with, with even a better 100%. arm. With, with, with an even better arm than what Ben had. And Ben had a great arm as a kid. Don't get me wrong. But Josh Allen's arm is even that much better. So he doesn't care if there's wind. He's going to throw right through it. It won't matter. He may not throw 70 yards. He may only throw 50. But he can still get, he'll get it halfway down the field, no problem. So you're, you're, you're look at this on paper. We've said it now a couple of times. But let's, we'll run this down one more time. Miami's starting a third-string quarterback, not their number one, not, not even their backup. A, a rookie, playoff debut against a team that has been in pressure-packed games in the regular season. They were involved in one of the greatest playoff games in history last year. Too soon That's still, still. Too soon still. Now, almost a year later, still <laughs> gives me goosebumps. And they've got a quarterback who can – negate any of the best weapons that Miami has on defense. Tell me how this is supposed to be close. Josh Allen's not made to throw 50 times in the game, so they so they, they can avoid turning it into a passing game solely that only favors the Bills. And we've said it now before. If Hamlin is in the building, I don't think he'll walk out on the field, but he'll probably be up in the owner's box and he'll wave to the crowd. That team is going to run through. If you're Miami, you might want to call some some ambulances because there might be some medical emergencies. They're going to get run through. They're good. Yeah. There's, there's going to be guys missing body parts after that run after the opening kickoff. They just need to keep the plane warm. And uh, yeah, there's no question in in Buffalo, which could be getting some weather uh, this week, whether it's rain or snow. Uh, which always intensifies everything. Um, I I don't know why this game is not, uh, you know, the Monday nighter, the Sunday nighter, because uh, the next game on our schedule is the Sunday night game, Baltimore at Bengals, and there's talk that Lamar Jackson won't be playing in that game, which I think just means it's another cakewalk for a team. Uh, if Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is the key for the Ravens to have any shot, but if he's out just like the previous game, I, Joe Burrow is just cool, calm, collected. The, the Bengals are firing on all cylinders. And if that's how it plays out, then we will have the next round will be bills at Bengals or Bengals at Bills. Will they do a coin flip, though, to yeah. see who? Uh... Oh, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, coin flip they thing. They should. Now, that, that whole scenario is going to fire up. I, I don't care if Lamar Jackson was healthy. The Bengals are so pissed off at their situation right now that I don't I, – I think that that anger is going to find their play very early – and they're going to deliver some very punishing hits on the defensive end of the ball, especially if they open on defense. They're going to look to send a statement right off the bat. They're going to yeah. take so, it out on them. I, for sure. Something, it's it's not a trend yet because it's only year two that I've seen this. And he, I know he kind of did in college ball too. Joe Burrow just starts slow and then the team just gets better as the season goes on. And then we get to the playoff position and 
oh shit, watch watch out for Cincinnati. I think we're there again. Exactly oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely think we're there again. Because at the start of the year, people were like, they're not going to win the division. They look like they suck. Oh, they the Super Bowl well, hangover and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go. They're playing like they could go back to the Super Bowl. Like um and well, playing exactly. the Ravens playing the Ravens again back to back now. Yeah. Like they cakewalked them last week and without Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati. It's, it's gonna be a practice game for Cincinnati for the playoffs. Like it's gonna because be a warm up. Even if Lamar Jackson is healthy enough to return, he, he hasn't played in a month. Exactly. So he's not going to be good. He's not going to be effective. He's not going to have those reps over the last month of the season when everything's gotten faster. The only thing I can say that is this is a con. Remember, Lamar is playing for a contract and he wants the Ravens to pay him. So if he can. He's cold at this point. Yeah, but that will to get paid if he can play. I don't think it'd do him any favors if he played. It actually might yeah. hinder his contract if he plays personally. That's just all day because it's yeah. playoff too. So that'll be mm-hmm. a huge defect if he doesn't perform. ESPN brought out a report earlier today. It would take, and in their words, it would take a miracle for Lamar to play on sun- on uh, Sunday. Yeah. So right now, don't pencil Lamar in. He's out. Move on. Lamar's mm-hmm. not playing. He might, and this is even this is a miracle. He might be backing up. Oh, and that's why I said the the outside chance he plays. It's still oh, Cincinnati all day. I, I'm not <laughs> even sure there's an outside chance. I think it's so beyond outside that this would be like out of the left field bleachers kind of outside yeah. chance, maybe. Oh yeah, but oh, agreed. Cincinnati all day. <laughs> oh yeah, especially you know considering how pissed they are they are at their playoff situation. You know, yeah. they, they had a legitimate shot at being the number one seed and getting a bye week, which they really could probably use because their O-line is a little beat up. Not terribly, but a little beat up. They could use that week of rest. I, I, I don't like Baltimore's chances. That being said, this is the Ravens. They have pulled out of more than one miracle that we can remember. But I... Uh, I don't think they had that team to do it, Charles. Not this time. Yeah, not this time. It's going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to be just Cincinnati all right from the get-go, and then they'll just put on cruise control for the second half, or it's going to start out a little slow like we've said Burrow can do, like he did against Kansas City last year. Start out Mm -hmm. slow. Second half was all Burrow, and that will be the case this year. Even the Super Bowl, he was a little bit slow. Yeah. He didn't come out firing in the Super Bowl. It seems to be his personality is start slow and then ramp it up. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you guys. Cincinnati's going to run away with this. They are pissed, and rightfully so. They got the shit end of the stick from the NFL from what happened during the bills Bengals game. The fact that they were basically – the game was canceled, rightfully so. Like, that, that game, rightfully so, was canceled. Absolutely. Yeah. But the fact that had Baltimore won on Sunday – the Bengals would have been the de facto home team and might have been in game in Baltimore. Now, obviously, Cincinnati won, so they didn't have to worry about that coin flip. But they they got the shit under the stick for doing nothing wrong. They did yeah. nothing wrong in that whole situation. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be pissed. 
And if both the Bills and Bengals win on Sunday, that's the next Sunday's matchup. Oh, please, let that happen. Let it happen. Right, like that one. um, I would be afraid to play Cincinnati in that case as a Bills fan. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that when it happens. Yes, but I'm just I'm just saying that right now. Like I know, like Charles, you mentioned with Josh Allen and everything, he's phenomenal. Burrow's pretty damn phenomenal as well. Absolutely. And Can't the emotions of what happened. Um, I just do not want to play Cincinnati in these playoffs. And unfortunately, if they both win on Sunday, which I think they are both going to blow out the Dolphins and Ravens, you're gonna get a matchup, which could go down. Similar to the Bills Chiefs of last year. Yes. Oh, it's basically de facto super So and then, yeah, no, Cincinnati walks over Baltimore. I don't think it's close. I think they hang 40 plus on them. Yeah. Easy. With backups. Yeah, the, their backups are in the fourth quarter. Like they're still scoring. Like I don't think it's close. Oh, I'd say second half. Bold prediction. <laughs> cool. Joe just comes out in a t-shirt and a towel for the second half. <laughs> Be like Georgia players eating chicken wings on the sidelines when they were up 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kept going. And then they kept, yeah. You want us to stop? No? Okay. Uh, and the final game in the AFC side, we have Kenzie's Chargers. Going down to Duval County to facing the non-Urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguars. The best quote I saw was uh, how uh, Urban Meyer helped the Jacksonville Jaguars make the playoffs by leaving. So, Yeah, he did. <laughs> 100%. They were dog water. Oh. This is a, a great story, I think. Um, I think the Jaguars won the division. I don't think the Titans lost the division, uh, which is how they I lost saw some seven teams. in a row. They had to have lost yeah. the division. They only had to yeah. win one game. <laughs> well, yes, no, yeah, uh, they did it to they, themselves. It's it's more or less Jacksonville deserved. I mean, obviously they beat them the last game, but Jacksonville deserved to win the division the way they were playing. It wasn't. Oh, it's because Tennessee lost a bunch. That's why you won it. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> Tennessee and, was terrible. Yes, and now the rumors that Rogers yeah. going to Tennessee are uh, starting. So that's starting early with the rumor mill. But uh, Kenzie, as the Chargers fan, <laughs> I'm guessing you're going to go with uh, your team. But are you nervous? Are you? Excited? Are yes. you worried about going down to Jacksonville? Yeah, yeah I am. Um, we went into Jacksonville, I believe it was week three or four, and they spanked us. It was 38 to 10. Now, that was, I believe, the week either Justin Herbert tore the rib cartilage or the week after. So he wasn't doing well, and he was in the game. That being said, even though he's gotten healthy as the season has gone on, we still haven't been solid. Um, Jacksonville has just gotten better and better and better as the season's gone on. This game makes me nervous. 
we're at home in Jacksonville. So they've got the crowd. Not that we have the crowd at SoFi anyway. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so who's a Chargers fan of me? Um, Mike Williams might be hurt. He might not be able to play as well. He was unable to walk off the field on his own last week. He's got a back injury. That being said, it's not major, but it might keep him out this week. If he's out this week, we don't have another receiving option other than Keenan Allen. That's a problem. We can't run the ball. We've shown an, an, an absolute inability to run the ball the last few weeks. Eckler's been running 40 yards. He's caught more passes than he's had touches for the run. If we can't run the ball and we've only got one receiver, this is Jacksonville's game. Unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, this is my team, but Jacksonville's healthy. They're young. They're fast. Their defense is talented. If they can stop us on the run, we got no chance. And they have a talented quarterback in their own right who is about a year or two ahead of his own development plan. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, here's so I, I am nervous. Do I oh. think they can pull it off? Absolutely. Our record indicates that we're better than that. We won games that we shouldn't have. However, now, they won and we're not getting any better. Kenzie, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys sort of slumped down the stretch, right? You guys weren't exactly playing your best football yep. the last five, six games of the season. That's what I mean. It's It's been a slump. Jacksonville has won the last five. It's, it's, yeah, been, like, it's been that kind of straight line, that plateau. This is as good as we're going to be this year. And Jacksonville's not the best. So Jacksonville is on a roll. Five wins yeah. in a row. They've got momentum, swagger. Yeah. They're walking. They got the big dick in the world. I watched them play last week. They're yeah. a good-looking team. They're confident. Trevor Lawrence is, is looking swell. Uh, they got Jones. They got Kirk. Uh, Etienne is running strong. They have a strong <laughs> D line. It's. Their special teams coverage is great, actually. It's underrated for how good it really could be. Underrated. Uh, Sunshine. I, I hate to do this to you, Kenzie, but Jacksonville is my pick. Uh, is, and now learning yeah. that Mike, Willi Mike Williams was the reason why the offense was producing as well as it was down the stretch. His catches yeah. were absolutely phenomenal. Um, but if he can't so go... I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, that's, that does and, not bode well. I, like I hate You're to get Antonio Gates to unretire for the playoffs. <laughs> He's like approaching fifty. This I mean, he'll still be catch the ball for you, though. Yeah. Oh, I just got I just got an alert. Uh, the Chargers have signed D'Antonio Yates uh, out of a little <laughs> unknown college. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the college, but uh, yeah, it's like. Uh, YBC College, so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so even as a fan, uh, I am concerned. And if I was betting on the game, I'm not because I'll end up losing because that's my luck. <laughs> I was betting on the game, I'd be betting Jacksonville. It's probably the toughest, not like the toughest game out of the weekend, really. That could honestly go either way. Now, uh, it does suck with Mike Williams not being 100% or possibly not even playing. 
Yeah. Because that's going to be, he's been so key to be that kind of like go-to guy if Herbert yep. can't find anybody else because he will put up those numbers and he has all season. Yeah. I will say this game deserves to be primetime Saturday night. This one, this, this one will be good. interesting as well. The, yeah. the, so, so, Sunday night and Monday night. I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but. All right. It's come the time. Who do we see ending up in the Super Bowl? Sean, who is your Super Bowl pick? I, I, I think the AFC. I think the AFC could be too close to call because we mentioned if all goes as well as planned and Buffalo and Cincinnati win, they've got a head-to-head matchup. And then if all goes as planned, the winner of that one gets Kansas City. Talk about mm-hmm. a for, for, for the Bengals or the Bills. They got to play each other, and then the winner gets Kansas City probably waiting for them. So good luck to you. Um, I'm going to be a little vague at first. And to say that one of those three teams, KC, Cincy, or Buffalo, will be the Super Bowl representative for the AFC. If I had to pick one this time, this year, if I had to pick one team, Buffalo. And, I'll just, and I know that people will say, like, how can you bet against Patty Mahomes? How can you bet against him? I'm not so much betting against him. They've proven that they can score just as many points without Tyreek Hill as they did with him. It's a just different kind of a different kind of offense. But without Tyreek Hill, I think Buffalo has a bit more of a matchup advantage. Because Tyreek Hill could stretch that field big time. And that without that there, that might that might just give the advantage to the Buffalo Bills. If now this is also saying they have to get past Cincinnati, which that's a coin flip. Hard Hardly, you know, we, we made the jokes about the Cincinnati coin flip scenario. But that game, if, if it comes down to Cincy and Buffalo, that's that's a pick'em game. So God only, God only knows who's going to come out of that one. Um, NFC, you know, everyone's going to say the sexy pick will be the Philadelphia Eagles because of how good of a season they have had. But I... There's a there's a dark horse there somewhere. There's a dark horse in the NFC, and I'm gonna say the Giants. Oh, now that's a bold pick right there. Battle of New York, or sorry, oh. the Giants actually don't play in New York, so I can't say that. <laughs> no, they, play, they play in New Jersey. Technically, they play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Exactly. But it's, it, it would be uh, it, it, was that the Garden State Battle or the Beltway Battle, or whatever they call it between the two states. Something like that, yeah. I can't remember for sure, but the New York have to go all the way to Arizona to see it. <laughs> the, the, the 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 Giants, they have the they have the talent to upset anybody in the NFC. They showed it that they, they they could hang with Philadelphia, they could hang with Dallas all year long. That wasn't Philadelphia's walk away division initially. That that division didn't start separating until later in the season. Mm-hmm. New York is going to be – I think New York is just going to be badly underrated by teams in the playoffs. They're going to catch a couple teams by surprise. Sorry, Justin, I'm not picking your Niners. Um, they would be my number two pick, would be the Niners. I'm saying Giants are, and Giants, the Niners would be the other team that I, I could see. I don't know. Just something about the Giants this year has me feeling that they're going to be a dark horse, kind of like they were the other two years they won the Super Bowl at Bulls Patriots' expense. Um 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I was the only didn't take a shot at the Patriots so far. I had to take one shot now. I gave them a lot of love earlier, so I'm gonna get. I gotta take a shot at them now. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. And if I'm right, I need to go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> well, yeah. um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out my prediction here, and then I'll explain why. 49ers and Bills. Oh. I think the 49ers over the last few weeks, just I watched them once. They look like they're the team to come out of the NFC. The Bills, on the other hand, and I know I flashed the number earlier, Anna Hart, they're going to run through a wall for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, the opponents are the wall. The Super Bowl is the goal. I don't care how they get there. The Bills are going to run through that wall. I said it at the start of the year. Bills are the favorite for the Super Bowl. Bills are going to win the Super Bowl because of number three. As a Bills fan, Ken, I can get behind that. Sean, you're getting a lot of love. What do you call him, man? So, um, very similar to Kenzie, actually. I have the Bills and the Niners. I, in the preview show, I said Bills and Tampa. Tampa's been shit this year. They might win the playoff game, but they're not going to win many more after that. Uh, I'm going with the 90s predictions from Chris Berman. Bills, Niners. Uh, similar to Kenzie, the Bills. I know it's going to be hard, and I'm being a little bit of a homer here saying the Bills. Um. But like Kaji said, they're going to play for DeMar Hamlin. They will run through walls for DeMar Hamlin. The Dolphins are the first wall to run through. Um, will they be close games against Cincinnati and Kansas City? Absolutely. They are not going to be – they will be almost coin flip games. Again, I'm using the coin flip joke. Um, both of them. Uh, I think the without Tyreek Hill – the Bills match up much better with Kansas City. But I – they're both going to be tough games. We could have – the Bills could play three Super Bowls in a row, ultimately. And as a Bills fan, I'm saying they're finally going to win it against San Francisco. Sorry, Justin. But that's my prediction. The Bills are doing it this year. The adversity that they faced throughout the whole season, losing Micah Hyde early, then Vaughn Miller. Then they had the weather conditions, but they had to move a game to Detroit. And then the DeMar Hamlin thing a few weeks ago. Through all of it, they've been basically the same team. They haven't taken a huge step back. So I think they're going to just run through the playoffs. I'm going to have so to for my... agree. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Justin. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was going to say, I want to agree. I was calling Bills at the start of the year with how well they've been doing. But just throughout the year, they just haven't, like, they've had too many close games where it shouldn't be close games. 
And for that reason, I like I don't blame you like with the whole Demar Hamlin thing. They're gonna come out guns a blazing, no matter what. I just I'm I'm going Cincinnati back to the Super Bowl. I just I don't have enough faith in the Bills for how close they've made some of these games and how teams have come back on them all year this year. I don't know. It's don't just you get slowly... your frustration that the Bills beat you this year on <laughs> Oh, I'm not. They they played outstanding. We played like shit. We didn't play like shit, but the, we we made some costly mistakes. No, no, you played like the shit. Bills. <laughs> <laughs> you, you the the one time you can say that, Sean. <laughs> but, Twenty plus years in the making, man. I got to get these shots in when I can. <laughs> I guess I can't deny it. I can't say shit. <laughs> I'm gonna go Cincy Philly. My Super Bowl picks. I, I, I want to say San Fran, Justin. I just I think Philly's on another level this year. I don't even know if San Fran can stop them in that direction. I'm sorry. Have you seen Philadelphia's last games? They were in so far cruise control that they let off the gas and then they went, oh shit, we might not even get the number one seed. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, Justin, a Jalen Hurts, that how he played from week one till whenever he got hurt, he he's a difference maker. That he can true, beat yes. San Francisco. Um, I just think San Francisco has more talent on that defense than Philadelphia does, so that's why I say San Francisco. I'm going to say San Francisco, Buffalo, and. As a Niners fan, of course, you want San Francisco to win. But with DeMar Hamlin, with the story of the Bills, Bills Mafia, just how loved they are, uh, you know, if it's a Bills-San Francisco Super Bowl, uh, regardless of the outcome, I can't be mad. You know, if we lost, obviously, I'd be uh, depending on how we lost too, you know, if we get like a bad call or something happens, but if it's against Buffalo in my heart, I know I'd be like, okay, like I'd, I'd be okay. Um, you know, 10 straight wins, the defense, the offense. We're on a rookie quarterback that was Mr. Irrelevant. And now everyone knows the name Brock Purdy. Debo Samuel is back. The defense is back. It's just they know how to win. They know what needs to be done. They've been close. And this is their window. And we're not going to get many more chances with this group. So it's now or never. And uh, that's that's my pick. Well, friends, uh, thank you for sticking with us for this long, long episode. Uh, we hope that uh, you enjoyed the World Juniors and you enjoy the NFL playoffs. It's going to be a gauntlet of a few weeks. 
And uh, we'll see who actually appears in Arizona in February. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a lead up to the Super Bowl. Uh, Thank you so much. Stay safe and sport on.